0: On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we talk a little bit about this Lions matchup on Monday night, and we have a special guest, the coach Tony Franklin, joins us to talk about his time in Cal and what we should be expecting from Rodgers in Week Two. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. <laughs>
1: Especially on Will Harris as Aaron Jones breaks loose. Aaron Jones, he's headed for the end zone. And he's gonna be in with a Packer touchdown.
0: Hey there everybody, welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers Podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, Gents. Yo! Welcome back. Josh is bringing the excitement. We Somebody are, has to. Yeah. Oh. We have to start fresh. We are number one in the North, as always, heading and into the matchup. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody. Uh, and it's, it's crazy. Uh, Josh just moved to East Coast time. So welcome to Monday nights where you stay up until <clears throat> one and hope we win. <clears throat> and when it starts to look close. like overtime, yeah. you're like, oh, no. baby. Oof. Uh, So we're going to kind of jump into our interview with the coach, Tony Franklin, and then we'll have our little synopsis of what we think will happen in week one or week two, I should say. But until then, Dan, take it away. So it is my pleasure to be introducing our first
2: guest of many on the year. This one's going to bring some knowledge to the game we have not seen on the pod prior to today both from the sidelines, film room, and personal connections to next week's player. He's been called one of the most innovative minds in football and the guru of the spread, at least that's what his podcast tells me. <laughs> he, he retired to Raleigh this offseason where I got connected with him, and I'm excited to bring in Coach Tony Franklin to the pod. Coach, welcome.
1: Thank you, Dan. I uh, am honored to be here. and have enjoyed listening to you guys and it's fun to listen to guys that are so passionate about not just the game, but passionate about one team.
0: So it's okay that we cry ourselves to sleep this last week. That, is, <laughs> that all right? That
1: passionate. I, I would have. Uh, <laughs> I would have done the same thing. I found out when I started when I started coaching, I, I learned to not ever fall in love with a team because they'll always break your heart.
3: Dang, and the Packers do it in fantastic style. I feel well this year
1: they might do it a little earlier they're gonna have to
2: wait until the end it might be monday (laughs) night we'll talk about that coach for the for the listeners that aren't familiar with your background and i've been listening to your podcast since we got connected the last few weeks and i think it's a really cool format that they should know about you mind just giving a a quick overview of your background as a coach and then what you're keeping busy with right now
1: yeah i i was uh, a coach for 40 years i started in 1979 and stayed in football most of of that time um, coached high school middle school college arena football um, and you know I've had the good the bad and the ugly I've had the number one offense in college football and I've been fired and uh, I've had championships and I've gone one in 11 so there's not really a whole lot about this game that I haven't been involved in and so every every day actually seven days a week I do the coach Tony Franklin podcast and try to get my perspective
2: on what's going on in the world of football. I I mentioned I've been listening. Once we got connected, there was two in particular that I'm going to recommend. One was not so much football related, but you went to a white supremacist rally in in Tennessee, right outside the city that you were coaching and talked through that experience and your emotions while you were there that day. I I thought that was a really unique angle uh, considering the, the career you have. Uh, and then the second one on a lighter note was, and I might get the title wrong, coach, but a coach, a player, and a fan go to a bar. Right. That one was fantastic. It was a little longer than your typical one, but you went through, you know, as a fan, you see something on TV. Was it the player's fault or the coach's fault? Because as a, as the three of us as fans, it's easy to throw blame at somebody else, right? But you went through what might've been the coaching decision, what the player might've seen on the field that made him do what he did. It was a fantastic listen. So I highly recommend it.
1: Well, thank you. I, the, the, yeah, that one, I really enjoyed doing that one because I had, I had actually a, um, a guy at Cal that I met, a booster that remained friend of mine after I left Cal and, and he sent in that and he said, Hey, you know, I'd love to hear you talk about that. And I thought, gosh, it's a, it's a really good topic because mm-hmm. in reality, even three coaches watching the game, see something different, but especially when you think about from a fan's perspective, a coach's perspective and the player's perspective, the idea of those three going into a bar together would be a really interesting follow.
2: Yeah. I hope to do it with you sometime. That'd be awesome. Did you you by chance with Monday night football, I don't know if you caught on ESPN two. the Manning brothers were doing commentary, not really commentary, but they were talking during the game and they're going to do the same thing on Monday night. Did you get a chance to listen to that at all?
1: I did not. I wish I had it because I think they're hilarious together. I think that they're probably the best Saturday Night Live guests that they have.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I I was reading through your Wikipedia page because we're not professional journalists here. We have some full-time jobs that uh, (laughs) keep us a little busy, but uh, I want to start before we jump into your relationship with our, our foe of Monday Night is it true you had eight practices to install an offense before facing Clemson in a Chick-fil-A-A-Bel?
1: a That that thats yeah, true. Yeah, actually, when uh, Tuberville asked me if I could get the offense ready when they hired me, they said, can you, can you put the offense in? Um, we're going to have eight practices before the bowl game. You think you can do it? And I said, I can do it in three. It was kind of like name. Really? <laughs> uh, um, so it was a simplistic way as it was. Goes back to the days of, of Hal Mummy, which was you have a three day installation, and after that everything else is just you know something extra that you throw in. So we we did throw it in in three days, and and little did uh, I know that was the best that we would ever be during my Auburn time. <laughs> we <laughs> it got worse, worse every game after that.
2: They started overthinking it after that.
1: <laughs> well, after well those guys some of those guys graduated, especially the quarterback. The quarterback actually had played in our offense in high school and his, oh. his high school coach had come to Kentucky and learned the offense. And so that kid knew it better than I did. And uh, so we, we, we kind of lost that advantage when he left.
2: Yeah, that, that's an awesome story. I can't imagine you get eight practices, but like, how am I going to maximize the strengths of guys? I don't know yet.
1: <laughs> well, it's the, the coaching part is, is sometimes overrated, I think. And, Um, the good thing was at that time, they wanted to do something unique and different. So they were all in, they didn't have time to think. And then as time went on, it was, it was such a horrendous fit uh, for me to be there at that school at that time with those coaches, especially the assistant coaches that eventually Mm -hmm. the sabotage came in. And it was just a, you know, an absolute nightmare, not just for me, but for the players and, Uh, for the fans involved it was just a horrible hire
2: Mm, that's unfortunate so so let's spin it to some brighter news uh there's a relationship you have with qb1 on the detroit lions and i'd I'd love you for you to talk a little bit about that especially around his strengths and weaknesses right he had a, a stint with the rams and now he's He's got a new team. He's got a new coach. He's got a, a new young roster and I, a I lot worse a, defense. Yeah, <laughs> I know you've had a chance to watch the game. You yeah. know, what are your thoughts on on how to handle that situation and you know any findings
1: from week one? Well, the biggest thing that I I felt like was such a huge positive was that they played hard every snap. They didn't quit. It was fun to watch uh, Coach Campbell on the sideline because there's a lot of you know there's a lot of fake. Um, bravado and coaching. There's a lot of fake tough guys and there's a lot of guys that that shit gets old pretty quick. Uh, And you could tell that these guys responded to him, that they respected him and that he didn't, he didn't blink. Uh, It's kind of like, you know, you're in, you're you're in a fight. And I was told this once, you know, when you go in and you punch somebody first and you hit them two or three times and they're still standing, you know, you're probably going to get your ass whipped. (laughs) that's kind of what he reminded me of is that he took the best punches and was still there, was going forward on fourth downs throughout the game. And I think that, um, you know, from just the little conversations I've had with Jared, I know there's a tremendous amount of respect uh, for their, for their head coach. And uh, you know, they, they're just not very talented defensively. I think they played hard defensively. They're just not very talented defensively. And I think offensively just from going back and watching the game again, I think the offensive line is good enough to win. Um, the receivers are obviously none of them are highly rated and they're thought to be the worst receiver core in the NFL, but I didn't see that. I, I saw some guys make some plays and play hard and their number one receiver was out um, and the running backs are good. So, you know, when you have a good old line and good running backs, you can manufacture some stuff. Um, and Jared's a good player. And he's a really good leader and a good competitor and, and a tough guy and So they'll be competitive with people just from that standpoint. But anytime the defense is going to struggle the way that they're going to struggle, you'll have a hard time winning games.
3: Well, do you see, uh, you know, obviously you probably watched the Packers week one too. Do you see our secondary struggling as much against uh, the Lions uh, this coming week?
1: I don't know because I would be lying. I I didn't watch the Packers game. um,
3: Good for you. Yeah, <laughs> your uh, heart wasn't broke. Well, I tell
1: you, I, you know, it's funny because I have so much respect for Rodgers. I think he's I think he really might be the best player to ever play um, to ever play the game. And, and, you know, Brady obviously has more Super Bowls, but Rodgers has a skill set that is beyond unique. Uh, his ability to buy time, make plays with his legs, quick release, strong arm. And, you know, he, he, he's just uniquely special. But he also, I think, in the offseason, all the stuff that went on, there's no way in the world that that doesn't affect every single thing in the organization. And then you get into football, and it's this gigantic game of ego. Uh, Owners have egos, coaches have egos, players have egos. And in the end, you got a bunch of guys sticking their chest out, and nobody wins. The Packers don't win, the fans don't win. And that's what you see. So I, I'll be surprised if they, you know, if they're able to overcome that. I,
3: I've been saying, I, I said it's something we deserve. We, we've been we've been calling this upon ourselves with how uh, can I say cocky we have been. So mm-hmm. uh,
2: well, it's like they're all looking at Aaron Rodgers to set the tone, and that's not really his personality type. He's not the rah rah energized the team, and right. you know, in week one it showed. I, I think after that off season. You know, they're looking at 12 saying, all right, you're the leader. You put us through some drama. Go carry the team. And it just wasn't there.
1: Well, and and not only that, but you have to – it comes down to human nature. You have to know the person you're dealing with, and you would think that after all these years they know him, and they would have found a way to pacify him if they weren't going to trade him. You you find a way to make that guy happy because there's nobody else on the team that deserves to be happy than him. If you want to win – now, if you just want to be an asshole and, and – I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm good <laughs> No, you're on, good. All <laughs>
2: out.
3: All <and> out. out. <laughs> so
1: on my program, if you've listened, I use every word.
3: We got the explicit there. Like it's right like it. there. I like that.
1: Right. So, <laughs> but if you, if you think about it, this is the guy that you want to royally kiss his ass because if he's happy, he's good. If he's not, he's not. And so now they've got a problem the entire season, maybe. Maybe. Unless there's some dramatic deal that they meet this week, they all go in and they all go, hey, you know, I'm sorry we screwed up. Let's fix this thing. Let's make it better and see how they can do.
0: So I got a question. Let's put your yourself in Matt LaFleur's shoes. Uh, You have this Hall of Fame quarterback that you would say is probably uh, the best quarterback in NFL history. How do you approach this week's game plan between this idea of do you go into it saying we're going to get back to our bread and butter? We're going to have a balanced attack. We're going to play Packers offense. Or do you kind of look at and go, we need to get him back on a role that he should be on and spend those first couple series, maybe safer passes, get in the groove? How do you how would you handle that from from your perspective?
1: Well, number one, I don't think that you have any problem with Aaron Rodgers' confidence. I don't (laughs) think that there's any reason to ever worry about that. If I was Matt LaFour, the thing that I would do is, number one, I would have to know just exactly where, as a coach, where do I stand on making this decision on how to move forward? Because it may not be in his hands. And if it is in his hands, then I have a private conversation um, with Rodgers and say, dude, you know, let, let's fix this. Whatever is wrong, let's fix it right now and let's get it done. And if you can't fix it, you don't blame. I mean, and, 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 but my guess is that's not an option. Uh, so if that's not an option, then he's got to figure it out. And to me, that's, that's a coach has to drop his ego and sit with a player and say, How do we fix this? Let's fix this together. And then hopefully they can.
0: Yeah, because you definitely saw that last week in Detroit. Half the targets went to Hawkinson or the running back crew. Two thirds of the receptions were by three people, none of which are wide receivers. So obviously a little bit of that is this is his first ever game in Detroit with this system. But he's also been – golf, as we're speaking of, he tends to be a, a shorter pass guy. He's a middle-to-short guy. He has the weapons. Is it a confidence factor that he was losing it a little bit in L.A. and leaning a little bit more on the defense? Do you see him evolving at some point into Detroit and just saying, I got to air it out, especially if they find themselves down quite a few times throughout the year?
1: Right. I, I, two things. I'd, I'll get a little off base here. Um, I believe the way coaching goes is that high school coaches are the best. College coaches are second. NFL is by far the worst. Jared Goff <laughs> can throw any ball that they need in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He can throw a 30-yard back shoulder fade. He can he can do anything. Now, is he the best arm in the NFL? No. Is he good enough? Yes. And when you throw the ball, like, for example, in their game where they said the running backs, you don't know, have all these catches, and why are you dinking it down? Well, the reason he was because I watched, you know, I watched the game again, is because if no one's open, you don't throw it deep, just so you can say, well, look at me, and I'm throwing it deep. <laughs> you throw it deep when somebody's open. Like Stafford's first play against in, um, uh, whoever they were playing the other night, uh, the Bears, Very is that you know they go play action, the safety squats, he runs by him and he throws a sixty yard ball from One hash to the other because the guy's open, and you know that's good football. But if you throw deep when somebody's not open, that's just stupid. So that, that happened want,
2: from number 12 last yeah, week. yeah. MBS overthrew oh MBS by yeah. 15 yards and, for an interception. <laughs> and,
1: and occasionally, you have guys that are throw it up guys that you don't care, you just throw it up to them because they're going to go make a play. And you know, for years, you had Calvin Johnson that you could do that mm-hmm. too, but you have to know who you're throwing to. I always tell a quarterback is that you have to overcome your coaching. Um, you know, I was a, I've was had nine players I've coached that have been players of the year as a quarterback in that position. But I always told them this, is that I can only tell you so much, and eventually you got to overcome my coaching, meaning <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not playing. You, There's shit I'm going to tell you that's not going to work. Mm. And you've got to figure it out and do it. And if you do, you're really good. And if you don't, you're just a guy.
3: Off of that, I gotta ask because this was one of my dad's favorite college quarterbacks. What was it like coaching Jared Lorenzen at, at quarterback in
1: Kentucky? Well, it's funny that's when y'all brought up the Wikipedia page. I would give a million dollars to figure out how to change it because I, I, I was the receiver coach and the offensive coordinator. Uh, I, did, I didn't coach Jared, and they have on there me coaching him. But Jared, you know, I, I helped to recruit Jared, and he was such a sweet kid and, and just incredibly. Unbelievably talented, and um, he was not a guy that the first year that he became the starter was my last year at Kentucky, and and he he didn't need to be the starter that year. He didn't win the job. It should have been Dusty Bonner, and that's a whole other story. But as time went on, and eventually when Jared came into his own, there wasn't a more talented kid than him. He just he had he was a great basketball player. He, he loved to play the game. He loved his teammates. Um, but he was definitely unique because he literally – his the year that he started for us that first year, he weighed around – he started the year around 270 and probably finished around
2: 295. Oh. Coach, we got people. We know how to edit Wikipedia. We can get you updated at Wide <laughs> receiver. <company. laughs>
1: There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that's wrong. It's funny. It's always uh, – for all these years I see um, – where Mike Leach coached Tim Couch at Kentucky. And I said, you know, every single human being that was at Kentucky knows that Mike Leach didn't have a damn thing to do with Tim <laughs> Couch at Kentucky. <laughs> but, That's funny. You know, it's funny how that stuff goes.
2: Yeah. I'm sure you got some stories flashing back to the Rogers thing and his confidence. I don't want to, you know, overshare any stories, but you spent some years at Cal where you probably heard some whispers and everything. And I've always had, a fun bar conversation with friends on athletes that you'd love, you know, take away their PR people or their marketing agents where you could just have a beer with them. And I said, as much as I love Aaron Rodgers' game and his talent is through the roof. I don't know if he's a guy I'd want to have a beer with. And I I think that kind of came through in week one. And I, I I had a customer actually tell me this week, you know, I I think the players were sticking it to 12 and showing them that, you know, it's a team thing and, and it's not all on him. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I also don't think fifty-two other guys go out there and risk injury and, and right. play and play half-assed, you know, just to stick it to their quarterback. I think they're out there trying to win. But it, he's a unique personality, and the rest of my family are Chicago Bears fans, and you know, their demise for the last fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years has been Aaron Rodgers. But I also tell him, like, you know, I also don't think I would be best friends with him, but I yeah. love him as my quarterback.
1: Well, it's funny at Cal, um, there's. When I was there, it wasn't a great vibe because he didn't want anything to do with us. He was mad because of the firing of Coach Tedford. And so he, mm. he disavowed Cal, and nothing to do with him and all that stuff. So, you know, my opinion of him was, you know, you know, if sure. you, you know, I could care less. But the people that were there through all of the different regimes, uh, especially one person in particular, I won't say his name because he's not a public figure, but. Mm-hmm. He really thought a lot of Aaron. He liked him. Uh, nice. He thought he was a good human being. I uh, thought he was a good dude, but he said he was, a, he was very unusual. You know, he's a guy that's, that's obviously got um, some long stories within the, his family and stuff like yeah. that. But, you know, the one thing about him is that is that it's just one of those things that when you're coaching, you got to get over about liking somebody and getting, when they're that good. You just got to figure out how to make them happy Uh, because when they're – you can't – you can go out and find somebody else, but you're never going to find somebody like him. So whatever it took to make that guy happy, that's what they should have
2: done. Right. If the Chiefs can give Mahomes 50 mil a year, whatever it ended up being, and they still have all that talent around them, we can afford to give Rodgers whatever he needs for the remainder of his career. I mean he is the franchise. Right. I think Packer fans have a, a tough time post Rodgers because we've had 40 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, and you know right. for for people my age, uh, that's been you know the entirety of our lives. And,
1: well, the and, dumbest thing ever is is to go out and to draft a quarterback the way they did. That's just basically an you to somebody that doesn't deserve it, and that's just a dumb move. Uh, if you're going to do that, then you got to you know you, you got to trade the quarterback and move on. But you know you can do that if you've got a quarterback that's not that good, that's, you know, just an average guy. Sure. You're gonna let a guy either come in and be the starter or sit behind him for a year. But you don't do that to the best of all time. You just don't do it.
3: We we literally before the draft happened, you know, before we uh, drafted Jordan Love. Our draft episode was don't draft a quarterback. Right. Yeah, and then they the went time. drafted a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, it made no sense because there's so many good receivers that that you know which you, right. you know you got the one great one, that you know everybody needs. If you've got one great one, you can double him all the time. Um, anybody in football can do that. But if you've got two great ones, then you're screwed because if mm. you can run the ball, then you know you can't have. You're not going to get a safety in the box and there's no way in the world that you can you can stop the throwing game.
2: Yeah, we we got problems with Green Bay draft. Uh, T.J. Watt should be a Packer. Justin Jefferson should be a Packer. (laughs) Coach, we could talk to you all day. You've been generous with your time. And I do want to get out of you and put you on the spot for just a minute. But you predict college football games and rivalries throughout the year. So as you watch film. For your selected rivalry games, you you predict each week what that score is going to be um, based on the previous game and how the teams are progressing. So in the same sense, it's only week two in the NFL, and I know you only got a chance to watch the Lions game, but at yeah. least from what you've heard about the Packers, what's your prediction for Monday night?
1: Oh, I would say it would probably be 38-24 uh, Packers. I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers not coming out you know just lighting it up I would be shocked if he didn't but I hope it's the other way around I hope it's Detroit 38 24 but I if I if you made me bet money on it I'd be betting the other way <laughs>
2: we're, we're gonna make our predictions here too once we let you go but I won't be shocked if the Lions keep this one score game much less pull it off and it, I think they're going to build off the run, which the Packers have no defense for, and then let Goff you know, rip some play-action passes with the defense you know, mm-hmm. sucking into the box. I'm looking forward to a good game, unfortunately, but against the Lions in division has always been good against the Packers for some reason.
1: Well, it'll be interesting yeah. to see. I look forward to watching it as well.
2: Yeah, here's to a good game. Well, I appreciate you joining us, Coach. This has been awesome. Hopefully right. we can catch up in person here.
1: All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All
2: right. Thanks, Coach
0: so that was the coach tony frank appreciate him having uh his insights on this pod you can catch him at coach com. his twitter handle is at coach tf underscore 365 boys Yeah, I know he had to be kind to his boy, Jared, uh, but he was a little bit more lenient on Rodgers than we have. He gave him 38 points. I I don't have that, Coach.
3: I don't know. Uh, The
2: Detroit secondary is pretty bad. I see where he's coming from with there. Don't forget about his podcast either, the Coach Tony Franklin podcast. That's, That's the one I repped during the interview. It's a fun listen, so go subscribe and and give that one a listen to. That was awesome for him to join us. Guys, he came through as a lead at my company because he was looking for uh, a computer. And we don't sell like Quantity One computers, but my CEO saw the lead and she's like, I think you want to talk to this guy because he's talking about football and podcast and being a coach. (laughs) And he was more than generous with his time coming on and, and talking about his experience with Jared Goff at Cal, with Tommy Tuberville, uh, the guy's got some stories to share. So that was awesome.
3: And he didn't coach Jared Lorenzen. He was a wide receiver coach.
0: Correction. Wikipedia.
3: Wikipedia wrong. Yeah,
0: got to go correct that. Gosh damn. But let's jump into this game. Let's start first with our defense. Big story just dropped before we recorded that Big Z is heading to the IR, which means he will be out for at least the next three weeks before having a possibility to return. Savage was also listed as questionable, and Tyler Lancaster is questionable. Would assume those latter two are in play. And
2: Lucas Patrick and Josiah DeGuara in concussion protocol.
0: Well, Yeah. But,
3: but the way Savage and Z played, they probably shouldn't have been out there week
2: oh, one Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. Savage had an interception that was taken back due to a terrible run Yeah, hazard. how
0: dare you? The <sighs> one positive we could have had from this. We could have had a positive of like Savage. <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> but you look at this this Detroit hurt. team and Coach brought it up. A, a very, very, very forgettable first half, but they kept grinding. Goff ended up with 338 yards, three touchdowns to one interception. Jamal was involved. DeAndre Swift was involved, both of which were questionable. They'll probably be playing. And TJ Hawkinson, that we knew was going to be a beast in this league. I mean, who I'm loves sure. tight ends more than Jared Goff? He went for eight Receptions, 97 yards and a touchdown. So real quickly, we oh. didn't hold up very well against the tight ends in week one. So coming out of that week one, we obviously struggled against the tight end play of the Saints. We didn't really control their backfield at all. We let I don't think golf will be running as the gazelle that Jameis winston is but do we feel that we can at least control this if nothing more be on the same page communication wise no no Again, <laughs> no no way. they I, they don't
3: have one running back they got two i honestly think maybe three um jamal williams averaged six yards a carry against the san francisco 49ers defense and as we all know, yeah, that's that defensive line and linebacker crew are way better than ours. So uh, not
2: Fred anybody. Well. Yeah, yeah, I have no faith. I I loved what the Lions were doing because it's what the Packers did last year. Mm-hmm. They were doing bunch formations, pre-snap motion. They were doing tight end whams, unique blocking concepts, just getting your your defensive front seven off balance and then hitting the hole. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift were just hitting the hole. They're like, I got six yards ahead of me. I'm going to go head down and go pick it up. And then what happened in the second quarter? Like, See if this sounds familiar, Packer fans. They started running that same similar pre-snap motion, but started faking the handoff and doing naked bootlegs to the tight end and having some deep route options for golf. It was exactly what the Packers should be doing, but they actually executed and they played with intensity. So what I saw from the Lions, yeah – you know, the first two and a half quarters weren't great until they started mounting the comeback, but, but they played hard and they executed the game plan. So credit to the coaching staff there, but that exact game plan can kill our defense. We can't stop that. Mm-hmm. kind of offense.
3: And if they take it slow and long drives and keep their defense off the field, that's when Green Bay is going to get in trouble. This offense knows how to drive the ball. I mean, you, you saw it with golf, you know, Fuse, brought it up to the coach. He was Dinkin and dunking, you know, tight ends, running backs, led, led the team with how many eight each, uh, eight catches each. That is, um, all over average, all, uh, had totals of over 50 yards also. So when you have that, you know, you know, he's not looking downfield that often. Um, so with how our linebackers played and our safeties, uh, underneath coverage, that's, that's a issue and a very large issue. Yes, they're gonna run the ball, but also them drop dropping it off with our linebackers in coverage, I don't trust one bit.
2: We are scorched earth over here. Their their receiving core, you know, should be one of the worst in the league. And Tyrell Williams as their number one shouldn't scare you with Jair on the other side. But what scares me quite honestly, I liked what I saw at a number eleven, Khalif Raymond. Like, if I were a neutral observer of the game, I I liked what he brought to that offense. I think he could give our number 20, Kevin King, some fits. So we talked about it as a Saints recap. I want to see more snaps from Eric Stokes this week. He had eight snaps last week. He had a, a breakup against Troutman. Maybe it was a drop pass. I'm going to give him the breakup.
0: Oh, but, it was a breakup. Oh, but that he's
2: got he's sad. he's got Khalif Raymond and he's got Amonra Saint Brown, who was a later draft pick than he was. If there's any game to give him an opportunity and some snaps to put some film on there and and show us what he's got, this is the game. And it, and he might be able to jump Kevin King in week two.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's a, I think that's a great point because you look at that week one, it's just the, the numbers are still mind boggling to me for what Winston was able to do. If you take away that Harris touchdown for 55 yards, he would be sub 100 yards for the day and they would still have taken advantage of us. And, and you talked about it. Uh, we struggle against short passes to tight ends, and we have for the last three, four years. And Hawkinson is by far superior to the likes of Johnson and Troutman in New Orleans. And that's what I think scares me is we are going to be so focused on him that we're going to allow this wide receiver crew to probably put together a nice little day, especially since we're without Z, we got to really trust this linebacker crew who could not have played any worse in Week 1 to contain Swift or whoever's coming out of the backfield. It could get a little dicey if Goff gets in a groove early. Yeah,
3: Hawkinson's got that long hair now. It's just dangerous once you get
0: that long hair sticking out the helmet. It's it's mandatory now for tight ends to have long hair, right? They have <laughs> Once, to once it Kittle up. got the man
2: Hawkinson's going to have a day. I mean, like over under 10 catches. He's got
3: 12, 12. And I I did want to touch on their O-line. You know, they're strong in the run, uh, but they are very weak in pass uh, uh, blocking. So if our defensive line, even without Z, if we do not get pressure in this game, my uh, alarm meter for our defensive line is going to be at a 9 out of 10. um, Because this, this offensive line should not be able to hang with our defense.
2: Yeah, I think everything will be known at the end of the first quarter. So I I found some stats on Jared Goff that I found fascinating. He had one of the league's biggest drop-offs when facing man instead of zone. So he preferred a zone defense. And when it flipped to man, he went from middle of the league to last. And the only drop-off that was worse was Cam Newton last year. And he also had the third worst drop-off going from single high safety to split safety. Two high safeties. That's, does that ring a bell? What Rodgers complained about against the Saints? So if <laughs> if in the first quarter the Lions establish a run game and they give Goff this opportunity to pull a safety into the box to try to stop Jamal Williams running with his head down, to try to stop DeAndre Swift to to focus on Hawkinson, uh, this is when Golf starts to shine. So I'm really concerned first quarter we need to be stopping the run if we don't the time of possession battle might be lost already, and then we're going to require our offense to be hyper-efficient because they might have to score on every possession.
0: I 100% agree with that because the Packers' offense, when the opposing defense or offense sets the tone, completely gets out of sorts. We've seen it in Tampa Bay, click, 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 click. Running out of time, they almost feel rushed when they get back on the field. There needs to be a more even disbursement in that first half where we're in trouble, which leads us perfectly into the offensive side for the Packers. Uh, I think we should probably catch more balls this week. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I think we should hand off the ball a few should more times more? this week. Yeah, sounds uh, good. Let's maybe make sure that right side of that offensive line is a little bit more sturdy, uh, and that should do it for us. Uh, sounds I good. We'll take yeah, minute, but, but win. What's more to say? But you look at it, San Francisco was able to get the ball going on the ground. Debo Samuel had an absolute day. Even if you take away his near 80-yard catch, he still was over 100 yards. This is a game. MVS needs to be a deep threat. Adams needs to just run his routes. We need to just keep it simple. I I, I think there was a little – sometimes we were – we were either getting too cutesy or we were doing the same old, same old for the Packers, and they just need to get to back to their bread and butter because this defense is a little banged up. They're uh, struggling at times. Uh, the best defensive players on their team are young guys. Like, we should take advantage yeah. of Coach mentioned it. What do
2: he give the Packers scoring th- 38 points? This defense was 32nd in DVOA last year. They were last against the pass and 27th against the run. And they added Michael Brockers in the offseason to to pair across from Trey Flowers, so the defensive ends are respectable. But everything they attempted to do in the secondary has essentially either left the team or gotten hurt. I mean, they're left with three of their top four cornerbacks are rookies on this depth chart right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we I know we talked about this with the Saints, and ironically, did you guys catch this? Aaron Glenn is the defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, and he came from being the secondary coach for the New Orleans Saints. Mm. But he just doesn't have the guys back there right now. So if there's ever a rebound game and a recovery game, this is it. I mean, we should put up points. But after watching last week,
3: uh, do we have faith? No, no. Uh, It it makes sense, honestly. I didn't even know uh, that the secondary coach came from the Saints. But watching week one, I was like, this secondary plays exactly like the Saints. The corners, press coverage a lot a lot of man um and honestly you know the, the lions lost jeff akuta week 1 you know achilles uh, rupture i guess i guess it didn't work out rupture um, no, but they, they do have a young guy out enough. of Syracuse. I know. I was just giving shit. But they, they do have this young guy yeah. out of Syracuse who I was a huge fan of. Uh, name, me. Melefanu. Nailed it. I think that's well how you say it. I, I listened to YouTube before. Yeah. Um, but he plays man coverage. That's what he does. He doesn't do anything else. Um, so if you line him up against somebody, he can cover him. He, he's very athletic, very long. Um, So, yes, I agree that the secondary is young and very under-talented right now, but they're athletic. Um, And what I see out of the safeties, Will Harris and Tracy Walker, um, it's a good tandem. It's, you know, it's not top notch. It's not top 10, not even top 15, I'd put it. But they're good. They're going to get beat, yes. But can they make that one play? to upset Rodgers just like what we saw last week. I mean, it didn't take much last week to confuse Rodgers. Um so if they can develop any type of rush with that defensive line, I think the secondaries can hold up against what I saw from the Packers last week.
0: And I think it's going to be huge to see You know, even though he wasn't necessarily getting a ton of pressure in that New Orleans game, how does he, Rodgers, react to what should be a clean pocket? Uh, Detroit only had one sack and three QB hits in, in week one. The only team worse in the NFL than that is the Green Bay Packers who had zero sacks and three QB hits. So oh, wow. I, 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 I my my heart throb of the draft McNeil in the center is, is going to cause concern. He's going to get some run stuff ability. But if if Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a clean jersey and does not have time in this Monday night game at home, even though he says we shouldn't be panicking this early in the season, I, I agree with Josh. The panic button will be out because this is a good rebound matchup for Rodgers in this offense. A hundred percent. It's a so,
2: it's a prove a game. Let's do some predictions. Yeah,
0: now. Let's do some predictions. Let's go, uh, Josh, would you like to start and would you like to say the game score is going to be 40 to? 30? Gosh, I got burned. Roger, let
2: me be down, 40 Rogers. to 30 this week. <laughs>
3: All right. Well, my gosh. I was going to I was going to hmm. You know, I'm still going to pick a loss. I I don't
0: <laughs>
3: You almost convinced me. Us are us talking, almost convinced me that they're good enough, but I what I saw week 1 was possibly the worst team in the NFL. What you look at on tape, I watched it again. It was so Bad. Like they looked bad on all levels. No one looked like they knew what they were doing, including the coaches. You had LaFleur walking on the sideline, upset at everything because nothing was going right. I don't know if they can turn it around in one week. Now, does that mean come week three, come week four, that they can? No, obviously they can. The, this team has the talent, but they need to decide if they want to be great or if they just think they are great because of what they've accomplished the past two years. Um, so I'm picking a loss Packers, 20 Lions 24. Um, and I think Jamal Williams is going to frickin' run us over. I think he's more pissed than he leads on. Uh, he's a happy go lucky dude, but, I honestly think we might have made a mistake. We'll see come the future, but maybe we should have kept uh, the, the lesser cost running back. Did
2: we not talk about this all year last year? I'll go send you every pod where you're like, we I, know, you I know, I know I did. And I did, but maybe I
3: was wrong too. It's been well, know? but well MVP, MVP of the Packers. I'm going to pick Amos because I think he's going to have, be very active with how much the underneath game there will be. Um, he'll be having to fill in for a lot of inactivity from our linebackers, which I hope gets better. Um, but yeah, I think Amos, if anyone could save this defense
2: communication has got to shore up look we've analyzed this game six ways from Sunday and it's a Monday night game I'm going to keep it uh, pretty short and simple I think the Lions are going to start with a strong run game I'd I'd like to pick our MVP as Kenny Clark but I think the interior of their line is better than the tackles I'm talking about the Lions, so I think he may struggle to uh, be the playmaker I didn't see the the fill in, in the run gaps from the middle linebackers, and uh, I guess you got to count on the outside linebackers then. So I think the Lions are going to control time of possession. They're going to make our offense be efficient, which they should be able to do against a not-so-great defense, as the coach said. Um, but I think it's going to be close. It's going to be NFC North battle. Uh, it's going to be 21-20 Packers, and there's going to be a lot of issues coming out of it. Uh, but as long as we come out with a W, we can go assess week three against the Niners. My MVP, based on what I just said with the defense, I don't think it's going to come from the offense. Even if Rodgers shreds the secondary, it'll just be like, well, yeah, look at the secondary. They're not that great. I think the MVP is going to have to come from that front seven slowing down the Lions' rushing attack and make Goff put the ball in the air. Uh, Rayshon Gary, I'm looking at you, brother. Come on, man.
0: <sighs> yeah, I I honestly was thinking a loss purely because I just – I just worry on too many fronts. The only thing that's a saving grace for me is this feels like a a standard Packer game where you're putting a lot of doubt on it, and then all of a sudden the offense gets some big plays, they get in a groove, they somehow find timely turnovers, which I'm glad that you brought up Mr. Amos because I like the idea of him getting a deflected uh, short pass that he comes up and gets. Uh, they have to win. They have to win, especially when you look at the NFC North, Minnesota, uh, in terms of their schedule for this little bit. They face the Cardinals, Seahawks, and then Browns. So we need to get some wins when we can get some wins, especially in the North. We're going to pull it off. It is going to be 20 to 27 to 20. I think we're all kind of floating around that same kind of area. I thought about going the MVS route, but I, I think it's got to go to Devontae Adams. Not only does he need more targets, but he needs to catch just about every freaking one of them. There's no better groove getter in the NFL than when you throw it to Devontae and know that you can catch everything. So let's make it happen. I am looking forward to Lambeau being loud on Monday night to get the oh, boys yeah, back on miraculous.
2: Hey, Devontae's a good pick because when we're on offense, outside of number 12, there's nobody on the field better than number 17. So time to go have a day.
0: He's got to get separation. I mean, we had, you know, there was moments where he was open uh, and Rodgers didn't, for whatever reason, throw it to him. That can't be the case. Feed the beast all week too long. So that will do it for this episode. Thanks again to the coach for joining us. Hopefully we can have him on again this season. But until next time, thanks, everybody. Go Pat,
2: Go.